Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, welcome this morning to week two of Christmas Unwrapped. And during this series, we've been looking a little bit at a story that's probably very familiar to most of us, the story of, of Christmas, but trying to unwrap it, to look a little bit more at the details that are there in the story, that hopefully you can find new encouragement, new insight, and things that we've never seen before. So we're doing that by studying the, the writings of the physician Luke, right? Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and wrote the book of Acts as we go. Luke, who understands that there is power as a physician in the details, and in the details comes the great hope and encouragement. So last week, we took this 30,000-foot view, right? Luke wants to remind us, like, this is what's happening in the world during this Christmas season. We talked a little bit about Caesar and the reality of this uh, census that he offers that really makes the whole world move into movement and return to their, their cities of origin. This week, we're going to really narrow it down. Luke's going to go from 30,000 down to the most intimate of settings in a small little region with a young lady. And in that, he's going to say, can I remind you again that there's power in the details that we have? And so, so glad you're here this morning as we together kind of unwrap Christmas. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, let's go to Luke chapter 1. If you're new here this morning, if you get your phones and you go to lexcity.info, all of the sermon notes are there. All the things that are happening at the church are there. Good way to stay connected. A lot of different schedule things happening in the month of December. So again, lexcity.info, your best place to stay connected there. So let's jump into a story most of us are pretty familiar with. We acted it out as children and seen it in many a Christmas show, but there is today hopefully a newness in a way as we look at it. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, once again, Luke, a physician, right, loves detail. So he, he shares those specific things. And in this one, Luke understands that most of the men who are reading this are going to be concerned about which month of Elizabeth's pregnancy that the angel appears. So Luke, knowing the heart of all men, says, let me just tell you what's going to happen. Uh, six months, men, you're going to be okay. So six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist that we see a little bit earlier in chapter one, Luke says this is when the angel appears. It's interesting, in verse 24, it says for Elizabeth, and ladies, you could appreciate this, that she had been hidden, but we're now six months into her pregnancy, so her baby bump is showing, and so now she can no longer keep this a secret. So this is the context. Uh, Luke says, I want you to know this is when the angel appears. So then Luke goes on to tell us that not only does an angel appear, but it's not just any ordinary angel, it is an angel named Gabriel. Gabriel listed about four times in the scripture specifically where he is the voice of God proclaiming something new. Gabriel, whose name means great, or that God is great. And according to verse 19, Luke says, I want to just remind you who this Gabriel is. This is Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Now, that little phrase I don't think has for us the, quite the impact of really what Luke is trying to remind us about how significant this is. Of all the angels, what he's saying, Gabriel, right? In indescribable holiness, indescribable faithfulness and responsibility, Gabriel, out of all the angels, serves face to face in the presence of God. Pretty powerful. So Luke says, listen... 
When God breaks the 400 years of silence, he chooses to do with Gabriel. He sends his best at these moments. So Luke says, these are such important details that I want you to know it's not just any angel, it is Gabriel of all angels who comes to proclaim this. Then Luke goes on to make the most Luke of all statements. As I mentioned, Luke likes details. Do any of you have a friend or a spouse who just loves to share more details than are necessary for the narrative? You've been in this moment. My wife would love to hang out with Luke. There are times she gets going and she just stops like, am I losing you? Yes, I'm glazing over. Just tell me what I need to know, right? So this is Luke. He could just tell us where this is happening, but he goes on. Look what he says here. I love this part of it. He says, in the sixth month, right, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel of all Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, here's what's interesting. Nazareth isn't even a city. It's a village on a good day. I mean, it's, it's so small. There are just a few hundred people here. But Luke wants to make sure that, listen, I know these readings that I'm writing to you are going to be shared, not only with Jews, but they're going to be shared with Gentiles. They're going to be shared for years to come. So I want my Gentile readers who aren't familiar with the geography of Palestine to know exactly where this is happening. So I'm going to let them know that they were, that he was in the city of Galilee, not just in a city, a little farther up in a place called Nazareth that's there, about 75 miles north of Jerusalem. You'll see here on the map. So in the next few days as we talk about the journey of Mary and Joseph, this is the context, but I just love that Luke wants to really make sure that we all understand. So he continues on in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. What does Luke want us to understand about the narrative that he's sharing? What's he emphasizing? That Mary was a what? Mary was a virgin. He says, if you miss it, I don't want you to miss it. I'm going to say it twice within the same verse. This is Mary that was a virgin. Why is that important? Why, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does Luke want to make the emphasis to remind this is not just Mary of Galilee. This is a virgin Mary. Let me give you maybe three or four reasons. Number one, that the virgin birth, it fulfills Old Testament prophecy, right? Isaiah, over 400 some years earlier, said this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. It's important that Mary is a virgin because the Old Testament prophet said this is who the Messiah comes, right? So if, if that part of it's not true, then the whole Old Testament you know, is no longer true. What can we trust? So he says, I, you need to know this. That's important. Second thing, and this is important, that it fulfills the prophecy that the Messiah would descend from the house and the lineage of King David. That the Messiah would come through. We understand this in Kentucky lineage, the importance of these things, bloodlines. He says, it's important that you understand that the Messiah is going to come through the, the lineage of King David. Mary and Joseph were actually distant pretty distant, but they were distant cousins. So when we think of this idea of lineage, Jesus' legal title to the throne of King David was through Joseph, but his blood title came through Mary. So the legal part was through Joseph's family, but actually his blood connection came through Mary. The book of Matthew, Matthew goes on and he lists in the book of Matthew the lineage of, of Jesus to kind of really make this point. And what I love is Matthew makes a special emphasis to make a note that he doesn't call Joseph the father 
of Jesus. Let me just read it to you. Matthew chapter 1, verse 16 says this. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, is called Christ. Normally, if you are going lineage, right, it's going to be similar to what there was at the start. It was um, this idea that, it, it, I should say it this way, it was this idea that Jacob, the father of Joseph, right, so it would have said J uh, Joseph, the father of Jesus, but that's not how Matthew states it, right? He says, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, is called the Christ. So it makes point that the, he falls within the lineage, but he's not... Joseph is not the father. Let me give you a third reason why it's important. I think this one may be one of the most important. The incarnation, which is a church word that simply means the act of becoming flesh. It's this idea that we would say that, that Jesus was fully man and yet fully God. The incarnation requires that Jesus be born of a virgin. If Jesus, think about these two things, fully God and fully man. If Jesus had not been born of a human, we could not believe in his full humanity. Right? So the idea that he was born of Mary is important. If he had been conceived like all other humans, then we would question his true divinity. So the virgin birth is necessary to, to secure two things. His full humanity, born through Mary, and his divinity conceived by the Spirit. Fully divine and yet fully human. And that leads, the reason for that, if you think about that, is that Jesus was not born with a sin nature because his father was not Christ, right? Every father passes down the sin nature since the fall of man, and it comes through the father, Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. If Joseph had been Jesus' father, then Jesus would have been born with a sin nature, and if Jesus had a sin nature, then he couldn't pay the penalty for our sins because he himself would be sinful. You see that? If Jesus had been born through Joseph, he simply would have been a good man, a moral man, a man who died for a great cause, but he would not have been divine. So Luke reminds us that Jesus was not born with a sin nature. Hebrews chapter 7 just tells us this, right? For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Luke, who all these details matter, says, I want to remind you this, that the virgin birth, boy, it is central to our faith. That the virgin birth, it's foundational to the full Christmas story, because without that, we don't have the divinity of who Jesus was and the humanity of who he was. And then he goes on to say, let me give you a little context. So we know he came, the angel appears to, to Mary in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, but he also appeared to Mary in a significant time of her life. Go to verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, there's the lineage part, and the virgin's name was Mary. Betrothal, right? You're probably slightly familiar with it. Luke's readers would know exactly what Luke was referring to, but let me just give you a little context. In, in Jewish um, practice, uh, every girl, usually around 12 or 13, many of them at that time, were betrothed, or we would even call it now an arranged marriage by their parents to somebody. So here was Mary, age 12 to 13, who is betrothed to Joseph. 
This betrothal period usually lasted typically about one year, and it was a binding contract that the moment the parents agreed upon these things, it was there. Only death or divorce could sever the contract, and so in that, the moment they were betrothed, it was such a legal thing that they would refer to these, to these couples as husband and wife even in those moments. It was so legally binding that if the husband died during the betrothal period, the woman would be considered a widow because she would have been legally married in that context. So now we have this year period. During this time, right, the couple does not live together. They have no relations. Uh, during this time, the husband's responsibility was to prepare the home to receive his bride within that year. Responsibility of the, the wife during this time was to continue to show her faithfulness and her purity. So you can imagine where this story is going. This is the one thing that's required. And when the year was up, there was a seven-day wedding festival or feast that typically would happen. And then after all of that, uh, this time together, then the marriage was consummated. So this was the expectation, right, of Mary and Joseph. This is, as I saw my life being played out, this is where I see it. I'm betrothed. One year, Joseph and I, he's creating a home, getting ready. I'm remaining to be faithful to him. We're going to get married. It'll be a feast. Everybody will be invited. And then after that, uh, we'll, we will consummate our wedding that's happened. But we know the story. That's not what happens. An angel appears. But can I remind you, it was an ordinary day. It was just like last Tuesday. I mean, Mary's just going about her business, but then a voice from heaven comes and it changes everything. A voice breaks the silence that hadn't been broken for quite some time. Let's pick it up in verse 28. And he came, being Gabriel, and said to her, greetings, old favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at, at the saying, and, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father's David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child who will be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Can you imagine this moment? 12 or 13 years of age. <laughs> An angel comes and speaks these things and Here's what's so fascinating about the great, amazing faith of Mary. She asked, how will this be? She, she was not questioning, will this happen? She was questioning, how will this happen, right? It wasn't a question of unbelief. It's amazing. It was a question of, of faith. Uh, it's the idea of, I believe the promise that you're sharing me. I just can't understand the process. <laughs> I, I don't doubt. It's amazing. I don't doubt this. Way. I just don't understand how it's going to happen for I version. How can a virgin give birth to a child? How can I, of all people, place in the world that's not even big enough to be called a city, with no, who am I that I will be the one that will fulfill the words of the prophets that I have heard for hundreds of years? 
the things I've been taught, the songs we have sung, Lord, I don't doubt. I just don't understand the process. What would this baby become? <laughs> because, Lord, I believe, but I just don't understand. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. <laughs> and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, the birth of Jesus is this continuation of the story of God's redemptive plan for the world. And Luke says, I want you to be reminded that in this redemptive story, that, that God took the initiative, that, that God made the first move. See, Mary wasn't planning on becoming pregnant. This wasn't her plan. 
certainly wasn't Joseph's plan, but it was God's plan for such a time and for such a moment. So God takes the initiative. The very nature of this whole gospel story, the salvation from the creation of man to the very end, is a story of God taking the initiative to restore relationship with his people and with his creation. It's been God's plan from the start. Salvation, by its very nature, is initiated by God. We're saved by his power. We're saved by his work on the cross. We're saved by him's calling. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, and yet God in his infinite love and compassion and desire initiates this relationship with us. I mean, think about some of the, the verses we share at church quite often when we think about these times. I mean, John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God started the process. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, what Christ died for us. That God is the initiator of this beautiful relationship and Luke says, I don't want you to miss it. This was the moment in time that God decided I'm gonna break these 400 years of silence by sending Gabriel to say it's beginning. I've taken the first step. Mary, you're a part of that process. 2,000 years later, God is still initiating that relationship with us. You may be here today, and there's just a sense in your heart, like I hear this, I, I hear these songs, I, I kind of, I just sense there's more to this life, there's an emptiness in me, and I want to know what it is. I'm just telling you, this is the beauty of God initiating his love for you. We talk about it at Christmas, that God gives us, right, the free gift of salvation to you. And can I say to you, that gift is free. It is simple, but it is very complicated in the context of this, just like we've been talking about in this series. We've got to unwrap the gift that's been given to us. And in that unwrapping, what makes it sometimes hard with God is it's an acknowledgement and it's a humility that's got to be within our hearts. Right? The very nature of the salvation process, there's this point where God says, I extend this relationship to you, but I need you to come to a point of, of humility and brokenness, the acknowledgement of my sin, the acknowledgement that I fall short of God's perfect standard and value for my life. And for some of you, that's the struggle you find yourself in. You, you are trying so hard to be good enough. You're trying to be better. You're trying to be more patient. You're trying to do this, and you're trying and trying and trying, and it just keeps feeling like you're falling short. <laughs> Can I say you're exactly where you're supposed to be? Because God initiates this relationship with you says, when you come to a point of your very end, when you come to a point of your lack of trying and striving and you realize you can't do it on your own, that's the brokenness that God gets to step into the story. That's the, the, the moment of time you get to acknowledge to God, God, I, I'm a sinner. I've just fallen short. The Bible, this is the moment of repentance, the acknowledgement of where we stand. And the beauty is at that moment when we unwrap that gift and say, God, this is where I am and, and I need you, that Jesus gets to meet you right at this point. So my question for you this morning, have you ever experienced that in your life? That moment of surrender to the Lord to say, God, I just acknowledge I need you. <laughs> I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I need new life in you. 
Thank you for initiating that in my life. This morning, as we close out our time, just in the quietness of this moment, would you mind just bowing your heads just around the auditorium that's there and just to give opportunity for you and the Lord? You know, if you'd say, Pastor, that's me today, and I've been trying to do this, I've been trying to be good enough, and I'm just empty, I'm falling short, I'm so frustrated. Today, I want to acknowledge my need for Jesus invite him into my life. If that's you this morning, I'd love to just lead you in a prayer. So just a chance to be able to pray for you specifically. If that's you this morning, would you be willing just to, to raise your hand and just put it down just so that I could see and remember to pray for you on that one? Anybody? Amen. Thank you. Amen. I see those in the back. Thanks. If you're online this morning and that's you and you're watching, can I just invite you? This moment is for you. For those of you that that's where you are today, so grateful. Let me just lead you in a prayer. and Just pray this back to the Lord. It's not a magical prayer. It's not the words that save you. This is just the attitude of your heart. So use your own words. Just say this to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that I'm a sinner. God, I realize that I'm just falling short of what you've called for me in my life. But God, I thank you that you love me enough. that you'll meet me right where I am. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to be born of a virgin, that I might have forgiveness of my sins and eternal life that comes from you. So Father, today, I'm placing my trust and my faith you alone for the forgiveness of my sins and for the free gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, for those of you that prayed that prayer today for the very first time, no greater decision could you make this Christmas morning, and we just celebrate that with you. This is the beauty and the essence of Christmas, that Jesus loved you enough that you might be saved. And if you made that decision today, hey, as a church family, we want to just come alongside you, encourage you, I help you to take some next steps. And so if you're here in person on the seat backs right in front, there's a little card that says, hey, I know a guy. I'd love just to take a few moments, fill that out, bring that card uh, to back to our Welcome Center. If you head right out these doors back in the Welcome Center, we'd love to give you a book uh, entitled Just the Decision. And it just helps you understand hey, what's the decision I just made? Help me to understand that. Help you give some steps how you can kind of grow in your faith. If you're watching online and you made that decision this morning, hey, just shoot a little text there, a little email. We'd love to be able to connect with you and help you grow in your faith. So excited. God's been so good. Both are hours to have folks say, hey, this is that moment of decision. For many of us, we've come to that point in our life. We've made that decision a profession of faith. Can I just remind you that Luke writes the book of Luke tell specifically about the birth of Jesus, the crucifixion of Christ, the most detailed part, why it shouldn't surprise us, comes from Luke, a, a physician, the details, all that, God's amazing sacrifice. And then Luke also writes as kind of as part two of his book, he writes the book of Acts, the, the works of the apostles, the acts of the apostles, the launching of this church. And Luke reminds us that for all of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we've been given the gift of the gospel. And the book of Acts reminds us, like, how are we stewarding that? This Christmas season, 
The story of Mary and Joseph is not just a neat little story so you can have a nativity scene in your house that looks pretty and fun and decorative, right? The story of Christmas is God initiating his divine plan for the world. We talked about it last week at such a time as this, when Rome was where it's at that the gospel could spread like never before. The book of Acts reminds us it's the power of the gathering of the family of God to share this in our community. So I ask you today, for those of you that know Jesus, how are you leveraging the gift that you've been given? How are we sharing that gift? How are we in a season of now living out with kindness and grace with one another? What are we doing with the gift that we've been given and experienced, and how can we share it with others? Luke says, this is the amazing story. I share it with you that you might not only personalize it, but you might share it with the world around. And that's what God's calling us to do in this season. Let's pray together as we close out our time. Dear Heavenly Father, today we, we thank you for the simplicity power of the events around Christmas. That Luke reminds us in an insignificant part of the world that wasn't even large enough to be called a city to a girl who was just barely beginning life in so many different ways that the Spirit of God showed and said, this is my plan. And God, we celebrate today and rejoice with those that have made that decision place their faith in you for the very first time who are passing from darkness into light that the Christmas of 2023 will be like nothing else ever before because they met you in a powerful way and God that message continues for thousands of years later and so today for those of us that know you may we steward may we share the gift that we've been given with the world around us God we love you Thank you that you loved us enough to initiate a relationship. And in that, gives the reason for this season. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church slash give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content. Thank you.